Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup, oh, blocked by James! It's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cavaliers are NBA champions! That sound means it's time for Cavs in the Break NBA podcast, part of the Press Play Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chase Smith, and with me, he covers your Cleveland Cavaliers for Sports Illustrated, the one, the only, Sam Amico. Sam, it is so good to see you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Chase. How about yourself? Doing well, doing well, man, doing well. Uh, we haven't recorded since the beginning of March. The Cavs were playing great ball uh, under J.B. Bickerstaff. Uh, they offered him the, the coaching position. He is now the Cavs head coach. Um, obviously, the whole world has changed. <laughs> that seems <laughs> like that, that was years ago. Um, so, Sam, here's what I want to do in this episode. Uh, I want to talk about the state of the NBA. I want to talk about the, the, what does this mean for this season? Is this a lost season? What's going to happen? Are we going to see more things like NBA horse or a 2K? Like, are we going to see more things like that, or are they going to try to finish this out? We're going to talk about the state of the NBA. Uh, then I want to touch on the draft just a little bit, and then I want to talk about the last dance because that's – I mean, that, that's – that's huge right now because yeah. it's the only thing on TV. So, uh, so Sam, obviously the M- NBA uh, really was kind of at the forefront of all this COVID-19 discussion um, with Utah and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and all, all that stuff. Uh, wh- what is the current state of the NBA? What is going on? It's, that's <laughs> – I think Adam Silver is asking that question right now. They're, they're obviously – um, just like the rest of the world in a very much of a holding pattern. Uh, you know, their other option is to say we're canceling the season, and we're seeing that in professional leagues across the world uh, with the exception of China. <clears throat> and the Chinese Basketball Association is continuously trying to start their season, and they had it set for, I believe, April 15th, a couple days ago. And um, then they had it set for some time in May. And now I've heard they've pushed it back again till uh, June at at the earliest. So I don't think the NBA wants to be in that position and and have that happen where it's, hey, we're going to start the season in May. Well, obviously they're not, but let's just use that hypothetically. Mm -hmm. I don't think they want to set a time to start their season and then all of a sudden say, you know what, we can't start the season then. Um, unlike China, the NBA has uh, a lot more in terms of television um, and, and, and that kind of stuff. They just have a lot more to organize. They have more teams. They play more games. Um, and I, I, I just think that, you know, look, Chase, the only reason they're trying to get this done and play this season is uh, they may pass it off as we want to have a champion, but and, and that's probably – there is some truth to that, but they also, this is a big, big financial loss for them if they don't get this season in because they have to play then, um, what you call it, they have, to, they, they have to pay back their regional sports networks if they do not conclude a 70-game season. And I, I don't think that there's any chance that happens. That they I don't care how rich play. you are. No one wants to give money back. <laughs> That's exactly it. And, and not to mention the fact that they're already losing, you know, obviously television revenue in the billions, uh, advertising revenue that comes with, you know, the TV revenue. So there's a lot 
a, a big financial hit. And guess what? That impacts the salary cap Players, moving forward. Yeah. That in, uh, impacts, um, you know, what are you going to earn as a free agent on the next free market? Um, and I, I, I think at this point, you know, I mean, if you want my opinion on it, I, I just think that they should just cancel it, um, move forward with her off season after the NFL's draft and all that and, and start focusing on, Hey, you know what? Let's hope and pray that we can just get to training camp uh, when we normally do for next year in October. And uh, I know that's tough. That's tough for a lot of fans, um, especially fans like the Milwaukee Bucks who were having a great year again. Uh, the Lakers were having a good year. The Clippers, there's just so many teams that canceling the season just devastates their fan base and um, but I'm afraid if they don't chase that we're not going to have another Cavs home game until and, and, and we may not anyway. But I, I this would secure if they don't cancel the season and they play it out. You know, it turns out, hey, you can play from July to October. We're not going to see another Cavs game at home until January or, you know, maybe even February of next year. And I, I just think that's too long. Uh, so I don't think there's any any benefits to, to playing out the season. Because even if they do crown a champion, guess what? It's They're going to have that asterisk next to it. And uh, I don't know. The players are going to need a month to get back into shape. There's just too much unknown right now, in my opinion, for them to finish it. Well, they, they've played uh, – pulling up the records here. They've played enough games that it wouldn't be a complete loss of a season, correct? Like they're past that threshold. Right. Yeah. I mean, they. It, it, I think it, I'm trying to remember how many games they played. Um, I think they played 50 in that lockout 20 years ago, 99, when um, they've played 65 games this season. Yeah. Yeah. 99, they played 50, and that was considered a full season. So they've they've surpassed that threshold already. Um, but you know, you still have to figure out the draft and the lottery and how you're going to make that because not all the lottery teams have played the same amount of games. Um, you have to figure out all that stuff along with playing playoffs, you know, finding a centralized location in an empty buildings without, you know, chase to me. It's like, what happens if you say, okay, we're going to start in July in Las Vegas in empty buildings and you get out there and all the players are tested and like three of them test positive. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, we're still going to play the season? These guys just aren't allowed? Or are you going to say, um, you know, we, we got to move it back or we got to cancel it now? Here we are in July. We got to cancel it. I just think there's just too many unknowns to keep messing with it. Yeah. So if they were to continue, Sam, I would think they would test the players first and then decide what to do. I can't see them not having the foresight to say, hey, we're going to do this. And oh, by the way, we're going to test the players. And oh no, four of our marquee superstars are—you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, there's going to be playoffs with no LeBron or Giannis. (laughs) Yeah, like I would think they would. Whatever decision, like their decision, would be based on who they have. I I could totally see them saying, "Hey, the rest of the season, sorry guys, like we just can't do that." But I, I, I really hope they figure out a way to get get some type of playoff or a condensed version of the playoff. I think they've played enough games to say, okay, these are the playoff teams. This is the lottery. 
65, I mean, was it 19 more games or 18 for the rest of the season? I was really looking forward to the rest of the season. I was really looking forward to LeBron making this MVP run. Like, I think, like, there was a lot of other subplots um, that were starting to heat up. Uh, but, but I hope we do see that Vegas playoff kind of scenario fantasy come true to all these fans where it's just, hey, we get to, get to watch basketball and playoff basketball. So all of this isn't – because this, I mean – so looking at players that are older, I mean, Kawhi doesn't want to waste time on his knees. LeBron doesn't want to waste any stats for sure. All these players who are like, I played so we can get in the playoffs and like further my legacy. And when you start to add on the the pressure and the, you know, what LeBron is hearing from the last dance, he's going to, there's no, no one's promised next year. LeBron's played a season of healthy, no injury. And why would you want to waste that? So I think, they're going to at some point realize, Hey, some basketball is better than no basketball. Let's try to find a way to at least get, get the playoffs in. So I can say, Hey, I've been to nine finals and I've won five of them or whatever it is. I don't, you know what I mean? I, I think eventually it's going to come around to that discussion and 65 games is enough to say, Hey, that's it for the season guys. I don't know. Yeah, what, what uh, you know, one of the things, too, is that that would mean that we're getting back to a sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. uh, getting out of this fear as much. And it would give people, um, particularly a, a big group of, of people in the NBA f- fan um, environment, give them an opportunity to start feeling uh, a sense of normalcy. And I, I think that you know, we're all hoping for that sooner rather than later. So what, let me ask you this. What would you do about the, 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 the non-playoff teams? Uh, I would just say, hey, off-season no, starts. <laughs> no, no, no lottery. See, I, I don't think you can have a lottery when, when not everybody's played the regular amount of games and you just – now, of course, you know, Cavaliers fans would probably think I'm saying that just because of the Cavs and they'd end up with the number two pick. But I, I just think that – it really wouldn't be that fair. I think it depends uh, on what they do with the, with the playoffs. If they adjust the, the playoffs, then I think there's a case to adjust the lottery and how the draft works. Um, but I think there's a higher risk of them just leaving that as is since it's the regular season. And they said, yeah. Hey, um, we didn't do much for the, what, what did they do? They didn't have the lottery when the, with the lockout. They just kind of probably kept it the same. Right. Uh, I think they actually did when they played 50 games. I think, I, I, I think they did. They did because there hasn't not been a lottery since 1984. Okay. So, um, which is interesting with the last dance coming out because that, you know, when Jordan went third, that was not a lottery year that there was the next year with Patrick Ewing. That was the first year. So, um, I, I saw a tweet. It's hard to tell Patrick Ewing. There's, there's no greater example of the legacy Jordan had than, bullying Ewing all of his career and then having Ewing being interviewed wearing a Georgetown polo with a Jumpman logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ewing was wearing the Jumpman logo. Right. Um, right. But yeah. uh, so, so Sam, you, you think season's done and you, you, you think the playoffs are also done or what, what would, what would be your final answer here? If, if you oh, no. look at the future, what do you think is going to happen? I don't think it's done. I, I, I don't. I, 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 that's just probably the direction I would go. But I don't think uh, that's not the direction the league is aiming for. The, the, you know, the direction the league is aiming for is to get this in. The season and, uh, or the playoffs? 
get the playoffs in. I, I think they're I, I don't think that I think they're past the point of no return with the regular season. I think that you go with your playoff teams, which is kind of sad because there were some, you know, I mean, the Pelicans were making a little run there. Yeah. Uh, I think Portland would be left out and Portland was making a run. Portland's and, and, at nine. Yeah. Yeah. And, nine. And, and Memphis is in if that's the way you decide to do it. So, um, and I think that those first round, if they were able to do it, I mean, the, the consensus is they would be best of five uh, first round instead of best of seven. So, um, which is the way it used to be also. So I think that, you know, that's what they're aiming for. I don't know if they can do it though, Chase, because I, I, you know, there's going to have to be probably a little bit more collective bargaining going on between the, between the league and the players in terms of, okay, you know, what are we going to be able to afford to pay out in the playoffs and all that stuff? Now, maybe that's something they can resolve quickly, but. Mm-hmm. There's, I just think, you know, and I saw Tracy McGrady, I have it, I put it on the website, the video of him talking about it. And he just said, there's just so much at play. You know, you got to figure as a former player, I got to get back into shape and I don't have the facilities to do that right now. So there's a lot of play, but to give you my final answer, I think that the league really, that's their goal. They want to finish the season and they're going to do everything they can to make that happen. Good. I hope so. It's weird not seeing basketball. Um, it just feels like culture has stopped and it kind of has not that culture is basketball, but sports in general, man, it's, it's just been hard for everybody. And whether it's any type of sport, NFL free agency, NFL draft, the last dance, everyone's just like so hungry and thirsty for something. So I hope they work something out that, uh, you know, as much of a win-win for everyone as possible. Um, I don't know if the horse thing or the 2K thing was a good idea. What, how, how was that received, Sam? I think it was received okay. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I have a friend who's really so-so when it comes to the NBA. He's not really into it. He loved the 2K, and he loved the horse competition. He loved watching those things. It's funny. I didn't watch any of either. Yeah, which um, I just I, it's hard for me to get into it, you know, and that's just my own personal taste. I would love to play 2K, you know, but I or horse, but I'm it's tough for me to watch it. Um, I just didn't find it that interesting to me. But I, I I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they do come up with something else. Um, I don't know what else they'd come up with, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to come up with something else to kill the time. What you have done are a bunch of redrafts. Oh, it's the redraft season, baby. And you and Mark Price were talking. How fun was that, man? Oh, yeah. You know, it was funny because you saw the, the redraft that I, that I was promoting at that time was ESPN's redraft. And um, they just do the lottery. They did the lottery for last summer. And then Mark Price underneath my tweet when I promoted it said, now do 1986. And which I actually went back and looked at that after he said that. And um, I said, you know, Mark, I don't know that a lot of people would like that because I have you going number two after Brad Doherty, the Celtics. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so you wouldn't be in Cleveland. But, um, you know, it it is interesting when you go back and look at those things. gosh you think about like the Giannis Antetokounmpo draft what was he 15 in the same year that Anthony Bennett went one <laughs> so I mean you know they're the, the, the draft is a very 
inexact science. And the man who told me that first was Chris Grant, who just happened to be the Cavs GM when they drafted Anthony Bennett. And I think you're right, Chris, it is a very inexact science, but um, I mean, there's yeah, a, it's a lot really, of fun. And Cleveland sports, I mean, the Browns is just atrocious. Um, and the Cavs, and they went Deion Waiters. You know, I, I, I'm going to say that that was a swing and a miss. Um, the An- Anthony Bennett, obviously, uh, you know, it's just a couple of years where you just want to kind of like cover your eyes and peek through, like, oh, is it over yet? Um, but but hey, l- let, let's spend some time uh, talking about the last dance, Sam. Um, I, uh, Michael Jordan was incredib- incredibly formative uh, in my childhood as an NBA fan. Um, fr- from the media standpoint, you know, Jordan <laughs> eviscerated the Cavs every time he came to Cleveland almost. Uh, I would love to hear not so much your thoughts on the last dance, but Sam, some of your experiences with MJ, um, what you remember about him, if you've ever covered him or uh, what has been your experience with the Michael Jordan? Yeah. You know, well, first of all, I was a kid um, when he first came in the league and I wrote about the, you know, I wrote an entire column about this, but for those of, for those who were not, were unable to read it um, for some inexcusable reason uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, the, I i when the air jordans came out when he got drafted by the bulls and those air jordans came out i you know i like told my dad i i don't care if i don't get anything for my birthday i don't care if i don't get anything for christmas i just want these yeah. and he kind of rolled as i remember him my dad was extremely mild mannered very patient and i remember him like complaining how much they cost and I don't remember what it was you know but it was outlandish for the time mm-hmm. and they still I, are for this time yeah, <laughs> yeah and I I just looked at him and I was like okay well let's make this happen buddy yeah. and uh, I got I got him the second the, not the day they came out but the day after I got him I remember wearing him to basketball practice and just thought I was king of the world you know and honestly Chase that's the first time, really, the first time anybody – now, other guys had put out shoes, mm-hmm. Chuck Taylor, you know, guys that I never knew about, but they weren't like this. This was the first time that somebody put out a shoe that you were like, I got to have that. And it was the first time. You know, now everybody has their own shoe just about. I, I think I saw – I couldn't believe somebody like an eighth man for the Miami Heat has his own shoe or something, and I was just like – Everybody has their own shoe, but at that time he was it, you know. And I, I think Jordan and uh, I'm sorry, Bird and Bird and Magic had their Converse shoe, their the weapon, and I think that came out after Jordans that people started getting their own shoes. But um, that was that was just something else. And then he had his own logo separate from the Bulls, you know. And and that was the first. That was. It was the first time that we saw a pro athlete, or at least an NBA player, become a global brand, and he did it right off the bat before cable television. You know, be- this was before ESPN. I'd never seen the only game I ever, at that point, had seen Michael Jordan play was a national championship game. You know, against Georgetown, that was the only time I'd seen him play. I only I don't think I saw him play with the Bulls until like 86 so two years into the league because the games just weren't on TV mm-hmm. you know and then um 
and uh, honestly, from 84 to 88, I loved the guy. He was my favorite player. I mean, I just, I, I, I read everything I could about him. I looked at all the pictures in Sports Illustrated. Um, I, I just thought it was so cool. I was like, this guy's like the closest thing to a real-life superhero that, that I've ever seen. I mean, he can fly for Pete's sake. You know, as a kid, you think, yeah. and it's, it, was, it truly was, um, I, I have great memories about that. You know, I wrote in the column that I used to go to bed with my Air Jordans and put them on the bed with my basketball. And then I'd go out the next day and put them on and put on ankle weights and, and jump up and down in the driveway and jump toward the hoop trying to, you know, I never really got there, but, um, ever in my life. But I, I, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, that was a time when, when we could dream. And then as you know, 89, I started getting older, more mature. I kind of grew out of that type of hero worshiping fandom and I just appreciated them. And then they played the Cavs that year in 89. The Cavs beat them. Oh, yeah. The Cavs beat them in all six regular season games. They, they played them the first game. It was a five-game series at that time. They beat them. The, Cavs, the Bulls beat them in the first game because Mark Price had a hurt hamstring, had to sit out. And I was still stunned because I'm like, we dominate the Bulls. How'd they lose? And I'm like... No big deal. They'll win the other, you know, they'll win the next three. Yeah. Well, they, they beat them in Cleveland. Then they lost game three in Chicago. And then I'm worried because they lose one more, it's over. Yeah. And then they win game four in overtime in Chicago. And I'm like, that's it. Cavs got them. We're going back home. Game five. Goodbye, Chicago. Good night. And by the third quarter, I'm like worried. Like, why is Chicago still in this? What are we doing? They just wouldn't go away. And Pippen was killing them that game. He was killing them. He was hitting, you know, they were doing all right on Jordan most of the day. And Pippen was just, I'm like, where is this guy? Scotty Pippen's beating us? Really? <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that catapulted the Bulls and the Cavs chase. They started that season like 22 and 3, 35 at the at at the halfway point they were 33 and 9. They were phenomenal. They went into Boston and and crushed Boston. They went into the New York and crushed the Knicks with Ewing and those guys. They were just on fire. And I and it was the best Cavs team ever at that point. So for them to go in and you know, the highly favored against the Bulls and to lose that series on that shot I, I, I was stunned. I, I mean, it, it ruined my day like a Browns playoff loss would, you know, and, and um, after that, you know, didn't like Jordan anymore. Just didn't <laughs> like him. He continues. And then I started going to games eventually, saw him score. I was, you know, saw him score 69 against the Cavs because uh, they played him straight up and, um, and, and saw him just beat them time and time again. You know, the, the, one of the worst parts, too, was after that 89-90 or 88-89 season, the Cavs opened the next year in Chicago mm. and lost a real close one to them. And I don't, they, they barely beat them ever again after that. But the Cavs still had their, you know, that was a great team, a team that's beloved by everybody. But like everybody else, they just could not beat the guy. The guy found a way to win. And once Jordan got over that, once he got past you, you're done. And, and uh, he was that way with the Bad Boys Pistons. He was that way with the Lakers and Magic. Clyde Drexler. Just, yeah, all yeah. those guys. Yeah, Barkley, everybody. He just, he just 
He was like nobody I've seen. He really was. Uh, you know, I, I grew up idolizing MJ as well. Um, posters all over the room. My Sundays were spent going to church and then come home, putting on NBC and watching basketball. I ruined so many of my mom's laundry baskets because I'd put one on the couch and I would <laughs> shoot like this basketball I had into the laundry basket and pretend like I was playing with Marv Albert. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm, like so many laundry baskets were ruined. Um, I just grew up, you know, out in the driveway, tongue out, fade away. Yeah. I had yeah. the in- introduction to the Bulls at guard uh, from North Carolina at guard six, six. Mike. I had all like, uh, I had to memorize it. It was just everything that I ever wanted in, in an athlete. You know, you didn't know anything about their personal life. You just saw, Oh my gosh, this guy looks so cool in the red and black jerseys. And um, you know what? He retired. Oh my gosh, he's back. What there was like, it was just, everything was exactly as a kid. It was just, I just ate it, ate it up. Um, the fade away, the dunks, the tongue, man. I mean, it was just, I loved every bit of it. Um, wanting every Michael Jordan basketball card. And the fact that he wasn't in any video game added to the mystique of how good he was. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. want to be like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, for Christmas in, in 2001, uh, like we opened presents, we had a great morning, but they said, Oh, Chase, there's one more present in the stocking. Um, and so we go in and we got tickets to the Wizards and the Cavs game. Wow. And he didn't he beat him on the last second? Was that the one he beat him on the last second the shot, shot with the Wizards? The third, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I got to see him play once in person. And wow. um, it was this weird, like people cheered him at that point because he was, you know, kind yeah. of by light. And they were like, oh my gosh, Michael Jordan. Um, the Cavs were winning that game. Like they, had a, they, they were up by quite a bit. The Wizards came back. And as the game got closer, you could feel the, the, the tension that were in the arena at Gund Arena, right? Um, yeah. Kind of get, get tighter and tighter. And there's like three seconds left. Everyone knows who's getting the ball. Like there, there's no denying that, oh, they're going to give this to Jordan. Um, and when he made the shot, Sam, the arena didn't boo. The arena cheered. Uh, it was this really weird reaction because, hey, we got to see Michael hit a buzzer. <laughs> it was like this yeah. weird. Um, were, were you at that game? I don't know if that was – that game, no, I wouldn't have been there at that time. Um, I was not covering the NBA yet then, and I was um, – where was I? I was I was definitely not there. I watched the game on TV, I could tell you that. Um, one of the great Michael Jordan stories, real quick here, I was actually working in Wyoming. He was with the Bulls. I think it was like 97 – it was his last year. It was this 97, 98 year that, that the documentary is about. And the Bulls were playing San Antonio. Well, I'm driving back to Wyoming from Ohio. Um, Yeah, I know. I made that drive quite a bit. As did Larry Nance Sr. to go watch Larry Nance Jr. But anyway, so (laughs) I was driving out there to go back to my job. I had like some vacation time or something. But it was – I was in Nebraska, and I picked up the Spurs broadcast. They were playing the Bulls, and I picked up the Spurs broadcast – and all I remember about it is the Spurs were up one with like 10 seconds left and the Bulls had the ball. And I was kind of pulling for the Spurs because, I, you know, I, at that point, I'm so sick of Jordan winning all the time. Yeah. And the, and the call of the game went, 
you know, the Spurs broadcaster says, you know, there's the inbound pass to Pippen. Pippen puts up the shot. He misses it. Rodman with a rebound, throws it back out to Pippen. P Pippen puts up the shot. He misses again. Rodman with another rebound. He passes it out to Jordan. Jordan made it game over. Spurs lose. <laughs> That's exactly how it went. Jordan made it game over. Spurs lose. Yeah. The guy was just defeated. Yeah. But it was just funny because it was like Pippen missed it twice, had a yeah. chance to do it. Missed it twice. Rodman kept getting the rebound, and then he finally kicks it out to Jordan. Jordan hits it right before the buzzer. So it was it, that in a nutshell to me. I was like, there's the Bulls for you. That was that team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people goes without saying that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. People in Cleveland sometimes say, well, not not so fast, my friend. They pull a Lee Corso. And, and LeBron has worked himself into this conversation. Sam. The, the rumor is, this is the rumor, uh, the night LeBron won for the title for the Cavs, Jordan said, release the documentary. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard that rumor. Uh, do you believe it? And why, why do you think Jordan truly is looking over his shoulder and realizing LeBron's closer than he likes him to be? Well, I think that the 73 and 9 Warriors played into that too. At that time, um, that's a good point. I think because you know they set the best regular season record ever. Um, but yeah, you know, I, th Mike, listen, I, I, I've never interviewed Michael Jordan. I've um, been in scrums that he was in uh, when I was kind of like freelancing for people um, at that point in my life. But he does have what drove him to be great is he will accept being nothing less than the greatest. And he wants people to remember that he was the greatest. <laughs> he is, uh, you know, I, I always say, and I don't know much about hockey, but I will say nobody dominated the NHL in my lifetime, like Wayne Gretzky. And in fact, nobody dominated their sport in my lifetime, like Wayne Gretzky, he, it, you know, now obviously Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth, Jordan, to me, Gretzky was the guy. This but is the, Sam's uh, pitch for a new podcast called what the puck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would last all three seconds. Cause that's all I know. But um, I, I, I just remember that. And I thought the same thing about Jordan was he is a guy who, who, because the sport's more popular than hockey, mm -hmm. um, to me, nobody's dominated like him. Now, LeBron has been, you know, this people take that as an insult toward LeBron, and it's not. It's, it's, uh, I, you know, look, I definitely like LeBron better. There's no question about that. As far as, you know, somebody who I wanted to see succeed on a regular basis, it would be LeBron James. Um, but, uh, Jordan, to me, you know, somebody asked me the other day, you know, that Cavs team in 2007 that went to the finals and got swept by the Spurs, would they have won a game with Jordan in his prime? I said, they would have won a couple. That that guy, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's part of my youth, you know, thinking this guy was a lot, but to me, he was just yep. on another level mentally. Yeah, That's where I give him the edge. LeBron may be a better basketball player. I don't know. I have a hard time deciding. They both have their, their, their super strengths, but I think Jordan was tougher mentally. And LeBron's tough mentally. 
But I think Jordan was the toughest athlete I've ever seen mentally. I, he just is. And I, you know, I've watched plenty of football and plenty of baseball too. So I, obviously we talked about me growing up watching, emulating Jordan on any basketball court. And it wasn't this, the NBA was not the same for me after Jordan retired. It, it took me a couple of years to really under like find the love for the NBA. After it wasn't the same for the NBA either. Nope. They tried to find another yep. Jordan, but and, yeah. And I'll tell you when I realized the Brown was special was um, after the Detroit playoff game where he scored 25 straight. I found myself the next day in a gym and just naturally doing the layup that he did or doing some shot. And I, and I thought, Oh my gosh, I haven't emulated a player on a basketball court in eight or nine years. And yeah, that yeah. got me so excited because it was just, I wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to, it was just, I couldn't wait to get a ball and, and do what I just watched someone do. Um, and so that's when I realized, okay, LeBron, is transcendent and this is could be really special jordan uh i felt like you just knew that from and i think you saw it with lebron too but that was just my personal revelation of oh my gosh lebron is legitimately going to be special yeah uh, i uh my wife is expecting a, 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 a we're expecting a, a a baby here in july a little boy right. and um the couple names that we're looking at um has the initials of MJ and I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty excited. Uh, <laughs> that little like acknowledgement there. Right. Um, right. But uh, you know, the, the impact he had not only the game, but, but the culture and the glo- I mean, dream team is a whole nother. I can't wait for that whole episode probably <laughs> of the last yeah. dance. Hopefully um, it's just special. And uh, I, I'm glad they released it early. Like the Braun and Richard Jefferson, you know, lobbied for them to release it early, right? Is that kind of how it went? Yeah. Oh, well, it was very obvious that they wanted to out early, and it was it was LeBron said they got to release it right now. You know, the thing too about LeBron that makes this is part of what makes him such a good guy is he, I don't think that he's all caught up in that. Uh, you know, as much as Jordan, not as much as Jordan. Jordan wants yeah. people to think he's the best ever. LeBron wants people to do that, but he can still like Jordan. You know what I mean? I I don't know if Jordan could be like I. Yeah. I, I think he likes LeBron okay, but LeBron I don't. LeBron probably grew up watching him and wanting to be him too. Yeah, I mean, he was LeBron's hero. Yeah, absolutely. Of course he was. But um, I just I just I I, I do I think know. I think LeBron wants to get six titles. Don't get me wrong, but I, I do think Jordan benefited from the no internet, t- the birth of cable more than any other superstar. I, I think if he was under the microscope, LeBron has been at any point in his like. <laughs> I just don't know if it would be as, like, no, right, yeah. viewed. I, I, and I, I don't think this documentary is going to change people's fact that oh, he has some demons that he's trying. You know what I mean? That's not right. When he said people are going to think I'm a bad teammate or a bad person, now I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, what you've been like? I don't know. Maybe I've just been. I don't know. I, I, I just don't think it, it would. Uh, I don't know what, what, what am I trying to say here, Sam? Help me. Well, yeah, I, I he he wouldn't be looked at as reverently as he probably is now, um, because he did not have that constant twenty four seven. Now, I will say this about Jordan: he was more like Kawhi Leonard than LeBron. Um, he he was more private. He and this was an era when players would go out and play pickup with regular people. 
you know, Jordan was not doing that. He was, he was very private. I remember Charles Barkley saying, you know, the problem with Mike is he doesn't go out and do anything. You know, he stays at home. He, he's like with me, people come up and talk to me and see me. They know I'm going to be out doing stuff. It's not a big deal, but Michael makes himself a bigger deal because he's always hiding, you know? So Jordan was very private. He obviously LeBron can get political um, and not just for the government, but he can talk about things like the NCAA. Jordan never got, went there, you know, right or wrong. And I'm not saying LeBron's wrong. I'm, I'm just saying that, Jordan just, that's the difference. He never went there. Jordan was 100% business and he didn't want to make anybody upset to stop buying his sneakers, you know, or stop buying. He didn't want anybody to turn against them other than they just hated him because he was so great on the court. So Jordan was, he kept to himself a lot more, was a lot more private. I think, you know, if Jordan were a star today, he probably be one of those guys who doesn't have Twitter, doesn't have Instagram. You know, I mean, I, I just, he was that kind of private guy, more like Kawhi Leonard. Now he talked a little bit more than Kawhi does and was a little more um, colorful, I guess I should say, because he, his, he just had a little bit more fun personality, but he was extremely hard on his teammates, extremely hard. He yeah. did not, he was not goofing around very much and uh, he could tease to the point where it was nasty and uh, he was just tough. He was a tough guy, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying LeBron's not, but I just think Jordan, he had one thing in mind and anything, you know how, you know how LeBron goes into zero dark 30 or 23 or whatever it is. Jordan was that way from the moment he, even, even if he's playing golf, he was that way all the time. What was the quote Roy Williams said? Michael Jordan has been the only player who really could turn it on and off, except he never turned it off. <laughs> is that kind That's of? That's exactly what it was. He yeah. never shut it down. And you ask anybody, I know he and Ron Harper, you know, kind of formed a friendship when Ron Harper was with the Cavs mm-hmm. and they played um, pool together. And Harper was like, I'm goofing around, having fun playing pool. Michael's getting ticked like seriously mad because I'm starting to beat him or at least compete with him in pool. He's like agitated, not talking to me. It's he doesn't want me to bother him because he's going to determine to win this game of billiards, you know, and he was, he was that way. And, and, you know, Kobe was kind of that way too, was a player. And, you know, one thing LeBron said to not to me, but said to the media in general early in his career was, I could never be like Kobe and want everybody else on the floor dead, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's how Michael Jordan was times 10. So if, if I give either player an edge, I give Jordan an edge for that reason, probably alone. LeBron has, LeBron does a lot of things. I see better than Jordan. Number one being pass. And, um, there's, it's, it's, you know, I mean, we could go on forever, but yeah. it's, I, I, I've never looked at it like that. I've never gotten into a heated debate about it, Chase. I've always just said, you know what? Just appreciate both of them because they're phenomenal. And Magic and Bird came along, you know, Magic and Bird rescued the NBA. Mm-hmm. Jordan took it to another level because he came along when cable TV came along and was the perfect star for his time. And LeBron's taken it to a new level too, different level. 
Well, that does it for this episode of Cavs in the Break NBA podcast. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Cavs in the Break. We always follow back. Shouts to the Press Play Podcast Network for making this possible. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Amico Hoops. Catch all of his work and writings on Sports Illustrated. We have analysis, player quotes, interviews, insider info. Do not miss out. Sam, any final thoughts, brother? Yeah, I think this was our longest podcast ever, and there's no basketball. So what do you what do you say about that? <laughs> That's my final thought. Everybody stay safe, and uh, thanks so much for listening and continuing to read. Yeah, I think we just miss each other, man, and miss human interactions. <laughs> That's probably what <laughs> it is. Everybody else has gone to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to your hockey podcast, man. It's going to be good stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it will. It'll be a smash hit. <laughs> Mike Breen, take us out! Congratulations, Cleveland. Your decades-long wait is finally over. The Cavaliers are NBA champions.